Hello and welcome to Come Along With Me, a podcast for fans who finished all 10 seasons of Adventure Time and want to journey back to the land of Ooh in an episode-by-episode analysis of Cartoon Network's most mathematical TV show. I am Laura the Human. And I'm KK, also the human. In this episode of Come Along With Me, we look back at the wacky and whimsical season one. And fair warning, we are a full spoilers podcast, so if you haven't finished the series... Well, you can still listen if you like, I guess. You do you. All right, Laura, we've made it. We did a whole season of the podcast. We did a whole season of Adventure Time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess um, this is going to be kind of a free-flowing uh disjointed episode we we have some talking points we're going to bring up but obviously without a specific episode to kind of tie our discussions together uh we're not really sure where this is going to be going yeah so uh bear with us (laughs) so i think there's an obvious place where to begin um with best and worst uh of the season and i think let's start it on the down note kk which episode did you like the least my least favorite episode is probably trouble in lumpy space we talked about it when we talked about the episode but like just so obnoxious lumpy space princess is just so obnoxious the whole time not just like her voice or whatever which i think can be funny but like the fact that she's such a jerk and the narrative kind of says that it's okay that she's a jerk because finn should have been nicer to her so yeah i'm gonna say that That's very. What was your least favorite? So that's really fair, Um, and I think I also very much don't jive with Trouble in Lumpy Space, and people who listened to um, the Witch's Garden episode also know I had a visceral dislike of Man Baby Body that makes that particular episode difficult for me to watch. (laughs) That said, listen, there are two types of bad in the world. There's bad in the sense of, I just don't think this was put together very well, or I think it has bad morals, or uh, a weird ending. You know, there's like what I would call, I guess, more objectively bad, as much as anything can be objective when it comes to art. And then there's bad, which I consider boring. And I think in Adventure Time, especially, boring is the bigger sin. Do you get me? Totally. Yeah. I respect that. In that perspective, I think the most boring episode is probably Businessmen. Oh, yeah. That's a really good... That's a good one to say that for. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad episode. You know? It's not like I would say steer clear of it. I just don't think it does very much interesting. And in a show like Adventure Time, which has always taken kind of big risks and been 
happy to do weird stuff, uh, I think it's a little disappointing. It's uh, it's important because it's that first, you know, really concrete post-apocalyptic sure, episode. Sure. But um, other than that, you're right. It's quite forgettable. Yeah. So that would be my position on it. Which means we have to do the culinary. Best episodes. I actually really like the witch's garden. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Episode episode done. Season done. I'm out. Never talking to KK again. Podcast over. <laughs> um, I think like the witch is really funny to me. Uh, the gags with uh, like them trying to find the right puddle is funny to me. And then man baby body is really funny to me. God, I hate you so much. <laughs> Well, my favorite, uh, I'm kind of tied. Uh, I think I personally like Memories of Boom Boom Mountain the most. Uh, It's a very weird episode, but it's got such high energy and interesting character stuff and really frenetic animation. Uh, But if I was to pick one that I think is maybe most representative and kind of maybe would be considered best by the most people, I think it's uh, Rainy Day Daydream. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Dungeon, actually. Uh, I feel like Dungeon is also a high contender. Um, Those are probably, like, my three top ones. I'm not great at, like, concretely labeling, like, one, two, three. Uh, But they're all up there. They're all up there. Yeah, I put Dungeon up there for me as well because, um, oh, you know what else other episode really, really, really gets me is Tree Trunks. Yeah, that's a fun one. Tree Trunks is a fun one. Maybe in part because I love Tree Trunks so, 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 so much. Um, but yeah, I really like that episode too. Yeah, it's a really good episode. And, uh, I think this is actually a good place to, uh, say, um, as we recorded this, uh, only a couple days before, this will be coming out months from now. So it'll, uh, kind of be maybe out of touch by that time. The voice actress of Tree Trunks, Polly Lou Livingston, passed away quite recently. So I think we just wanted to take a moment to kind of respect her life and her work and thank her for the contribution to this wonderful little cartoon yeah rest in crystal power polly rest in crystal power i yeah i I, for those who don't know she was literally just an old lady that pendleton ward knew she is not a voice actor by trade and really i I don't know that there's ever going to be another voice like another voice like that because it's just so genuine it's so genuine it's so unique uh it it really was, I think, a special performance. All right. Sorry to be a bummer, guys, but <laughs> well, she's great. Hey, the, I don't think respecting somebody's life is ever going to be a bummer. That's fair. What was your uh, favorite title card, Laura? Yeah, so I put this uh, little section in because I don't think we've really talked about the title cards very much. Uh, just because they're very quick and they don't, you know, tie directly into the episode. But... Adventure Time title cards as a whole are all, like, amazing works of art. I think you can agree with that, They're stunning. Stunning. So, I was really spoiled for choice. They're all really great. um, Kind of lean into old genre film aesthetics. Um, But I think my favorite is The Dungeon. Which just has... It has so much going on. It's super dynamic. Like, it has all these monsters bursting through a wall and Finn and Jake with, like, uh, their backs to the audience as they prepare to face off. It's, I don't know. It's very dramatic. 
Yeah, I think for a similar reason, my favorite is probably his hero. I also really like Wizard, but we'll say his hero because um, Billy is on it just looking so, so cool and intimidating. He's got this giant axe and there's like these skulls and bones underneath his feet and also a boombox, which is kind of, you know, good post-apocalyptic hint. And uh, yeah, I really like his hero. Yeah. So if you've never really taken the time to really pursue any of the Adventure Time title cards, highly suggest you guys look it up because, uh, I don't know, it, it's some very cool art out there. We'll put a link in our bio uh, where you can actually watch. There's like a YouTube video where you can watch them all in order. Is that what you did? I looked at an album. Yeah, I looked at them on a YouTube video. Something about Adventure Time is there's a lot of stuff from season one, which could have been throwaways. It could have been easily ignored and forgotten about. And I don't think anybody would have really cared that, wait, why does Finn do this when he used to do this? But Adventure Time writers were very, very good at taking elements from season one and two and seeding them into huge plot points down the line. And we just wanted to take a moment to discuss the things that we were so impressed came back down the line. Definitely Finn's parental abandonment issues. That's something that is a really core part of his character for the entire 10 seasons of Adventure Time. Uh, It's not an easy topic, let alone in a children's cartoon to tackle, but I think they do a really good job and it just gets better and better from here. Yeah, and tying right into that is the fact that Finn is afraid of the ocean and both Finn tackling that fear comes up in a couple more episodes and it's like a recurring thing, not like a one and done single adventure and he's over a phobia but again they tie this into Finn's backstory and how he got abandoned and you know it makes a lot of sense in universe that he would be scared of this particular thing because he was lost at sea for weeks as a baby eating breadsticks lost at sea tragic Another good thing that comes back is the Ice Crown's backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that episode, What Have You Done, where the Ice Crown is crying and speaking, which doesn't come back, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it says, I, or, or Ice King says, I, I, what, what is it? He says, um, so basically somebody accuses Ice King of having stolen the Ice Crown. And Ice King says, I didn't steal it. I made it myself with magic that I stole, which is the the backstory for how Evergreen, the crown's creator, actually did forge it in the first place. Mm, that's dope. That's, that's dope really stuff. cool. Uh, that said, the show isn't perfect, is it, KK? No, as much as we like to say it is sometimes. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff that maybe they didn't do as much with as they could have. Uh, So let's take a moment to look at some of the things from season one we wish had returned in a more substantial way. I don't know if I wish this had returned in a more substantial way, but it does feel like a lost opportunity. Uh, The Duke of Nuts, who's in two episodes in season one, like doesn't really ever come back. And I think he would have been a really neat foil to Lemon Grab Mm. um, going Uh, forward. Yeah, because, you know, in comparison to Lemon Grab, who's... I think we can agree his main flaw is selfishness. Uh, We have this other Duke whose flaw is maybe being too selfless. And pudding. Eating too much pudding. And eating too much pudding. And we all know (laughs) which one is more damaging to your life. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I don't know. He seemed really nice. And I can understand how having super nice characters isn't always the easiest thing to write about because they don't really generate conflict. But eh, he could have appeared a couple more times. My particular bugbear is Neptor. <laughs> uh, he does come back, obviously. And they do a pretty decent reason of justifying why he didn't come back earlier and making it a thing. But I still just feel bad for him. He just gets ignored and forgotten about. And every... I don't like it when character people are mean to characters who don't deserve it just because it's funny. Plus, there's this, like, a little bit... I don't know the word I even want to use here, but a twinge deep in my belly that Finn has these parental abandonment issues and then he abandons his son for who knows how long. Yeah, I agree. Um, Which, again, maybe if they'd done something with that and had Finn grow out of that issue or confronted it, like, again, there could have been something interesting there. But just the way that the writers went, oh, no, we forgot about Neptune. Uh, let's just say everybody forgot about him, and from now on we'll make jokes about how nobody really likes him. It makes me sad. Poor sweet Neptor. I know. Sorry that you're not Bemo. We are sorry, but listen, if I had the opportunity to take Neptor into my home, he can seemingly conjure pies from nowhere. I mean, he would be worth it for that one thing. <laughs> More of a cake person myself. Well, we all have different tastes, and I you can't help it that yours are bad. <laughs> Uh, I would have liked to see, similar with Neptor, where obviously Billy comes back, but I would have liked more Billy throughout the series in general, especially because a lot of the Billy we get is actually the Lich. Yeah, the next episode he shows up, you know, it's this really fun adventure between Finn and Billy, except it was actually the Lich tricking him the entire time. And I don't know, I just think there could have been more weight to it if we'd had one or two more episodes where he had even just a bit part with like Finn trying to, I don't know. Uh, you know, get his affection or his tutelage or his respect or something like that, I think it would have hit home a little more that he gets killed and possessed by the lich. And I mean, it do- it happens off screen, right? Because in Billy's bucket list, Billy clearly had a stronger relationship with Finn than just meeting him one time. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so invested in getting Finn to, you know, fulfill his dying wishes. Exactly, yeah. It just feels like we had to piece together that there was a much more significant relationship between the two of them than we actually see. Which, again, considering Finn's parental abandonment issues, it sure would have been nice to see him get sort of a surrogate um, mentor figure like that. Yeah, and then have him get killed off because that what happens if you're a mentor figure in a fantasy story. (laughs) Okay, maybe maybe not. (laughs) Uh, There's been a recurring gag throughout uh, season one of our show. Where we keep pointing out how non-standard the morals are. But there were a few cases where the show ditched the, you know, three levels of irony. We're not going to have an actual moral for something that was actually pretty straightforward and could have worked in another TV show. Uh, And we kept saying this is the clearest moral of the season uh, with everyone that showed up. But now we're going to answer it objectively. KK. Which moral is the clearest? The jiggler, don't kidnap. Agree. Don't kidnap animals and don't let baby animals die because of negligence. (laughs) Pretty clear there. Pretty clear. Like the other two, which were contenders, which were henchmen and rainy day daydream, like they're 
I would say clear and they're good morals. Uh, don't judge a book by its cover and be imaginative respectively. But I don't think they're quite as this is what you must do as the jiggler. <laughs> what character do you think has the best introduction in the season? I think that's a little bit of an unfair question. Because most of the protagonists don't have an introduction, per se. <laughs> it's just sort of like, here they are. We're not going to explain anything. They're just doing their stuff. Uh, so, like, Jake, Finn, Bemo, Princess Bubblegum, uh, none of them are in the running. Which means, by default, I think the winner is Marceline. <laughs> yes, Marceline is a really good one. I guess when we pose this question... I was thinking more about uh, those who do have an introduction. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, there is, that's pretty Not much many. no one. I was going to say also Magic Man, just yeah. for who he is as a character, has a pretty good uh, uh, intro. Speaking of morals, that one is one of my favorites not it's not the moral within the episode not the overarching one but the i just want you to know how much of a jerk i am it's pretty pretty funny yeah uh, that does do a very good job of just being like this is who he is uh and you're gonna be in for some weirdness whenever he shows up yeah i mean overall i think season one is a little bit tricky um mm -hmm. sometimes when i'm trying to get people into the show i i tell them go ahead and skip season one start in season two absolutely whenever i go back and watch season one it's very precious i think it's funnier than a lot of the rest of adventure time mm -hmm. in its own uh idiosyncratic ways but um it's tricky the first time i think that you watch it yeah like if you gave me season one of it, like an alternate version of me who's never seen the show, uh, and you gave me season one of Adventure Time, you said, that's it, that's the show, there's nothing else, what do you think of it? I'd be like, yeah, that's cute. It's creative. And then if you said, and would you like to do a podcast about it? I'd go, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like a very fun cartoon with not much meat on its bones besides being fun and colorful yeah you know it's hard to pitch this as with a 26 episode run but it's kind of like one long pilot for what the show is going to become yeah that's a a fair descriptor and like i don't want this to feel like a diss on it like i feel like it got very popular in season one for a reason i think there might be a bit of seinfeld effect in effect if you know what i mean go on well this is a phrase that's used on TV tropes. I'm not sure how common it is elsewhere, but it's the idea that a show or a book or a piece of media that's super innovative, innovative won't seem that way looking back. Like Seinfeld did a lot of innovation for comedies and sitcoms. But if you go back and watch it now, you're like, yeah, that's a very standard sitcom, nothing really special about it. And that's Adventure Time. Like, it had such a huge impact on Western animation as a whole that I think looking back at it, it seems much more run-of-the-mill than it actually is. Oh, I just love this show so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have our own opinions looking back, and we're able to put season one into a context but do you know who wasn't able to do that kk uh reviewers at at the time indeed so i thought something that would be fun was trying to figure out what fans slash the general public thought of adventure time season one 
when it was airing. And this proved hard to do. (laughs) And some of that's probably because I don't think a lot of people would have been talking about one particular random cartoon uh, very much. Uh, Some of it is because I think a lot of the places people might have been discussing it just don't exist anymore, like forums that have been wiped from existence. Uh, I tried tracking down the Adventure Time Reddit, which I think did exist in season one, but Reddit has no way of sorting by date. So as far as I can tell, there's no easy way of accessing the first threads that would have been going on there. But I was able to find a couple reviews. So here's one review I found on UN News by Kasim Hardway. And basically what he had to say was trying to describe Adventure Time in words is almost an insult to the visual genius of the show. Since Adventure Time is such a masterpiece that combines color, humor, and absurdity so well, I'd rather leave it to you, the reader of this article, to find out the brilliance of the show itself. And I feel that's a summary for what a lot of the reviews are. And it's that is a beautiful paragraph of words, and it's also a lot of words to say, I don't know. <laughs> it is. It just is what it is. Like, pretty much... Any of the reviews of the TV show, like, first of all, I think animation reviews and TV reviews at the time were in a kind of different place. They didn't expect the same thing. But yeah, I mean, what can you say about the show? It's not like there's a deep plot for you to analyze. So most people were like, yeah, it's funny and it's colorful. And again, I think we have to say that Adventure Time had such a huge hand in like changing the way people see cartoons in general. Uh, not yet, obviously, but it, soon it will it will coalesce. Yes. Um, I found another review. This one is an interview with uh, Pendleton Ward on the website My San Antonio. Do you want to read the excerpt I have there, KK? D&D inspires my logic for how I go about creating each episode, Ward says. In D&D, everything's in front of you. You can do anything you want. It's all up to your imagination. I like the freedom of that feeling. I like the characters to be able to have the freedom to segue away from a story if they wanted to. Which, A, we called it. (laughs) (laughs) B, I think it really shows, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So many episodes we were talking about how this feels like it could be a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. This feels like it could be straight out of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I saw a theory the other day about how Billy is an ice giant, um, which is cool. Oh, that would be neat. Like, uh, like from Norse mythology type of thing? And from Dungeons and Dragons specifically, like oh. the, the race ice giant, Billy is one of them. I could definitely see that. That's an interesting conclusion. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I really wanted to dig into was some reviews I found on the website tv.com. I went and sorted them by date and found some of the earliest ones. And uh, a lot of them were like, yeah, this is a cute, fun TV show. But there were a few that I think said more about what the show would become and was were surprisingly uh, precedent. Prescient. 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 Surprisingly prescient. Is that better? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so one reviewer said, surprisingly good, much better than most of the show seeing dishes out at us. So if you have nothing to watch, at least check this out. And reminder, don't think too logical. It's a cartoon. Oh boy, that review gets a pass, but 
do I hate when people use that to as an excuse to not <laughs> dig, dig into a cartoon show? I know, I know. So it's like, but I, I feel it does summarize like a lot of like what the general attitudes were. And I think it's good to have that barometer moving forward to see how like people's discussions of the episodes change over time. Agreed? Agreed. Yes. Uh, another one. How is it possible that Adventure Time is not universally praised? Adventure Time has great potential to be the harbinger of a quality animation decade, like the 90s. I hope its ratings will continue to rise and the show will be celebrated as it deserves. Well. Whew. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, boy, somebody was uh, a real oracle of Delphi on that one, huh? Mm-hmm. And for this last comment, uh, I want to give some context. Do you know what place... Cartoon Network was in at the time Adventure Time started airing. No, I do not. They were actually transitioning out of doing cartoons. Wow. Uh, they were going through a rebranding, an experimental rebranding from Cartoon Network to CN uh, with like a, a more prominent block that they were trying to push called CN Real. Uh, huh. And this was designed to like basically help them compete with like the Nickelodeon and Disney Channel live action sitcom shows. You know, things like The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Hannah Montana, uh, Zoe 101, which were very popular and also very cheap. Compared to a cartoon, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, based on all the reviews I've found, uh, they were not what people would traditionally call good. <laughs> um... I think you're always taking a risk when you're doing shows with, like, kid actors. They're just not as trained, right? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I think it's a lot harder to get quality. Like, it's not impossible. There's some really great TV shows and films with uh, children actors. But I feel like especially if the network's attitude is this will be cheaper, that's not really an attitude that's going to get high quality stuff. You know what I mean? Definitely. This last review, I feel, really captures the sense that people were having at the time that CN was going downhill. And they said, if the show had aired in an earlier time, it could have had such a chance to thrive. Cartoon Network doesn't have much life left. While this show might be a means of life support for CN, hopefully it'll keep Cartoon Network alive. And it did. And it did. <laughs> Another quite... Uh... Why am I having so many so much trouble with words today, Laura? Words are tough. Another prophetic review, isn't it? Yeah, like Adventure Time really did, I think, like there was a lot of stuff that contributed to them abandoning CN Real and reinvesting in cartoons, but the popularity of Adventure Time really did contribute to it. And I think it's where we get so many of the follow-up shows that would become popular in the coming years wouldn't have been able to happen without Adventure Time's popularity. Certainly Steven Universe. Mm -hmm. uh, Rebecca Sugar, who we will meet in season two, is the showrunner and creator of Steven. That aired in 2013. Mm -hmm. uh, Clarence definitely is a descendant of Adventure Time. We Bear Bears, OKKO, OK Summer Camp Island, Infinity Train. These are all, I think... Oh, I bet uh, Over the Garden Wall. Oh, yeah, Over the Garden Wall. Over the Garden Wall is also Patrick Mahale, also direct from Adventure Time. Oh, they're just, they just get better and better, and I feel like we're still kind of We're still in the really golden good. age. Yeah, for sure. It's exciting. 
Yeah. And that's only Cartoon Network shows that we named. That's not even yeah, across if we look, platforms. Yeah, if we look at, sure, other, co- you know, other, I'd say, old guards, Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. But, but beyond that, you have, you know, Netflix and other streaming services that I think are kind of really diversifying the Western animation market. Thanks, Adventure Time. Thanks, Adventure Time. So we are now going to get to the snail mail portion of this episode. All your comments and questions that you sent us about season one. Um, First of all, we got an overwhelming number of comments that were like, love the podcast and uh, just feeds our souls. It really feels so nice to know that we have an audience that's appreciating our content out there. So thank you, everyone who sent nice messages. Yeah, that was so lovely. Obviously, we're not going to read every single one of them because that would be long and tedious and weirdly self-congratulatory but (laughs) (laughs) we do really appreciate it uh yeah so we kind of gathered some comments throughout our our social media which is at adventure time pod everywhere but twitter at come along with me where the last year is a three (laughs) um (laughs) and we got a lot of play especially on um the clip we posted about lady rainicorn and princess bubblegum that would have been from the episode what have you done Yes, so our question was, like, what is Lady Rainicorn to Princess Bubblegum? Right, yes. Uh, So I think overwhelmingly a lot of people were kind of weighing in that it was a lady-in-waiting situation. You know, like a personal attendant, somebody who just, you know, is there to help. I mean, traditionally, I guess, helping princesses and various noblewomen was mostly things like I'll help you get dressed and I'll help you get onto your horse and things like that. But I suspect that's a slightly different situation when the lady you are waiting on is the god queen of, <laughs> <laughs> of a of a empire that she literally created down to every single individual. <laughs> I, I, I think... It was user 43553301398 who said that like they think that lady is literally her title, which I think is interesting because it's usually used like a name. Yeah, I I like that. Maybe it's been her title so long it could be it's just become her name. Yeah. Uh, do we remember what she was called in those brief flashbacks we get before she left the crystal dimension? Not off the top of my head. No. Um but someone actually also said about that, that in the pilot, Lady Rainicorn is called Princess Bubblegum's Rainicorn. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, the, the purpose of pilots is that things aren't set in stone. But, but that does very much strike me like calling Jake Finn's dog. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, actually, speaking of which, um, uh, Eric on Facebook said that. In season one, the difference between season one and the rest of the show is Finn was younger and very much Jake's pet. I mean, I don't know that I agree with it, but it's no, a funny statement. If Finn is Jake's pet, then I hate to break it to you, but Jake is a really awful pet owner. <laughs> you have to give your you have to give your pet proper enrichment, a balanced diet, social interaction with other of his species, and I mean, he hasn't even bothered seeking out other humans. So you know what? Uh, step it up a notch, Jake. <laughs> 
we were just talking about Billy in the episode His Hero and mm-hmm. Rocky500E on Instagram let us know that Lou Ferrigno, uh, Billy's, vo- Billy's voice, lost his hearing at a very early age, which is why his voice has that sort of special timbre to it. That makes total sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I think it, um, I don't know. I, I think it definitely gives an interesting delivery to it. So cool. Right. Okay. So we had a couple different comments about Susan um, and specifically kind of discussing the backstory about how originally she was going to be Finn's sister. Uh, on TikTok, uh, Untitled Document 1 says they thought that the idea of how Susan Strong was going to be Finn's sister makes so much sense, but they're glad they went with another direction with the story. And I like seeing all the character backstories as opposed to a story revolving completely around Finn, like in the earlier seasons. Um, which I, I agree with. I really do like we have such diversity in backstory, but do you feel in season one everybody kind of revolves around Finn in that way? Hmm... I'd have to think about it. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I think so, though. I mean, every episode is Finn heavy, right? Right. I, I agree that every episode, but I don't think the backstories do necessarily just because we don't really have many. That's true. Like, it's Finn and Jake. That's it, really. Yeah. So, but I, I do like that long term. It wasn't like a comic book thing where it's like, oh, this mysterious new character is a clone of Batman, and also this <laughs> character is Batman's long-lost so-and-so, and this character is Batman's love interest type thing, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, Susan Strong did end up being tied to Finn, but not in not in such an intimate way, so. No, no, uh, in a way that felt more like, I don't know, like coincidental ha- happenstance almost? Well, I think the way that they set up the idea of, like, the remaining humans, it makes sense that the two humans that we kind of meet come from the same place. Oh, yes, yes, for sure. But it didn't feel like some broad destiny where they were always fated to be together. I don't mean in a romantic way. I mean in, like, just a people together type way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mel said on Facebook, is it just me or is season one of Adventure Time almost a completely different series than it became later? I think we've talked about this already in this episode, but um, yeah, I mean, I think if nothing else, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for it. And if nothing else, the storyboarders were all but one was fired after season one. So I've really got to wonder why that happened. Like on one hand, I don't want to speculate too much about that type of thing. But on the other hand, like, wasn't season one fairly popular? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's just such an interesting decision. Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe... It just, yeah, it just seems odd that if you had such a popular show going on, you're like, we need to completely change the creative forces behind it. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they just didn't value the borders as much in the creative process? That just seems wild to me, because they're so <sighs> integral. I mean... I think there's been a lot of talk lately uh, on social media. Basically, there's been a whole kind of broader discussion about how various animation networks have been treating their animated creative talent and how they still don't really value them and are still treating them like it was 10 or 15 years ago where they can shuffle them around and cancel shows and, uh, 
you know, let people go without warning and not fill in the fans about this stuff and acting like, you know, it is still just entirely an audience of kids who have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and how that isn't really sustainable. You know, animation is bigger than ever and a lot of these uh, creators have big fan bases and people aren't going to like, oh, I love, you know, Nickelodeon shows. They're going, I love shows made by these particular people. And there's got to have to be some sort of shift in the broader culture of the industry. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that's just one of those things that have changed in the last decade since season one aired. We had Melio Owen on TikTok. Uh, I, I guess this is technically Obsidian, but we did talk about it this season of the podcast. Uh, mm. Say, Jake had discussed death's, death with Finn so many times, even his death in the episode about his croak dream. I think Finn was prepared because Jake always was. That was the beautiful part of him. He lived a happy life and enjoyed each day, and even seeing his own death was exciting to him. That's beautiful. Yeah, really nice. Thanks, yeah. Melio. I've got to say, so we are recording this on, what day is it today? We are recording this on May, May 9th. May 9th. Uh, Together Again is going to be airing in just over a week. Uh, I know. Uh, I think it's very broadly assumed by us, and I'd say most of the fandom, that it's going to be reckoning with Jake's death in some way. We'll see. We'll see. So, hey, listen, maybe in a month from now, we're going to look back in this episode and be like, ha, we were so foolish. It turned out to be funny adventures in fart world. And we'll, <laughs> we'll all laugh. Uh, but I think we're going to be getting an answer to this pretty soon. Oh, I'm not ready, Laura. Because he here's my personal, you know, marking this down. Here's my theory for how uh, Together Again is going to play out. I think, I think I agree that Jake is totally at peace with his death. You know, he's a dog. Uh, and I think this is a way that, you know, his dog mindset, you know, he had a full, happy life. He was he's always been spiritual and he's ready to accept the next phase. But I think we're going to have something to do with finn not being ready to say goodbye to his brother yeah i mean i guess the only question i have is that is sort of a rehashing of the croak dream episode but i have faith that they can do it in a refreshing new way well i think you know i haven't watched the croak dream episode in a little while but obviously that didn't actually end in jake's death and that felt much more like somebody being hit with something like if I found out that my sister was going to die in a week, I would be understandably distraught about that. And I don't think there's anything unexpected or wrong with it. I think it would probably be a different scenario if it was like, you know, we're at the end of our natural lifespan and we have time to make peace with it, you know? Very true. So, I don't know. I, I agree. I think I think there's a lot of ways you can take it without just rehashing that. We only got one Dungeons and Dragons comment, which I just want to reiterate, y'all, if you ever want to talk Dungeons and Dragons and Adventure Time with us, please send us a line. But, I think you're uh, being a little unfair. We've had plenty of Dungeons and Dragons I'm saying talk. for for this particular episode, we okay. only had one, okay. one comment. <laughs> I'm just saying, we can't force everybody to talk about this one specific angle. Um, but Andrew said that Finn is a cursed barbarian and Jake is a druid artificer, which is very interesting. A cursed barbarian. What does that mm -hmm. mean? I don't know. <laughs> I 
is it like maybe this is our lack of knowledge of D and D coming to, to hit us? Maybe that's a specific subclass, or maybe it just means he literally has a curse. Yeah, it looks like it's a subclass. There's a curse mark, and that's how you channel your rage. That sounds pretty epic. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I like that. I like Cursed that too. Barbarian. Okay, um, so we had some discussion about things that people liked from the season or wish that had come back. Uh, so memorable happenstance on Instagram says they don't know what their favorite episode was, but loves anything where Finn or anyone sings. And they also like the setup for future seasons. So, I mean, there was a couple Finn episodes of Finn and other people singing episodes in the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the auto tune is just so good. The auto tune is so much fun. Um, uh, Jessica on Facebook wanted to know more about the Y wolves, Billy, the manly minotaur, where the fear feaster came from and how infant Finn made it out of drifting in the ocean to be adopted by Joshua and Margaret. Yeah. You know, on one hand, I don't feel like I personally need to know much about the Y wolves or manly minotaur, but I definitely feel it when it comes to like Billy and yeah. How did Finn get from the edge of the ocean to the middle of a freaking forest? <laughs> Zawag27 on Instagram wants an episode or two explaining the Mushroom War and the Lich. I feel like we kind of get that for the Lich, right? A little bit. I mean, we get the origin story, but I mean, I want to know how the Lich and uh, Sweet Pea are intertwined. I mean, I also feel like we've gotten that. Like, Sweet Pea is a reincarnation of the Lich, but where the Lich was... Very much, it seems like an embodiment of death or entropy. I guess that's kind of up for exact interpretation. Uh, Sweet Pea is life and growth and change. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And man, yeah, you know, I'm very curious about the Mushroom War. And I'm fascinated by the ideas of like, what exactly happened when did it happen? You know, it's really unclear if this was like late 80s to even like mid 2000s when it finally went down. But part of me likes that we don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, there's room for both. I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't mind an episode or two about the Mushroom War, but I'm fine with what we have so far. Yeah, maybe it's just me. Like clearly whatever caused the Mushroom War had to be something big politically, right? Like countries don't do this <laughs> unless at least in their minds this is like big epic vital stakes right yeah but you know it kind of does show how ultimately meaningless whatever they were fighting over was because nobody else cares in the aftermath that's true even in um obsidian you know marceline and her mom aren't talking about the politics of the situation yeah you know at the end of the day it was just a whole bunch of innocent people who clearly died or were else had their lives destroyed by the political maneuverings of governments that they had very little in common with. What a cheerful thought. Yeah. Adventure time. <laughs> Finally, over on TikTok, Inter Nickname said that they love the podcast, but we're also wondering if we had a YouTube channel. And I guess... The first answer is no, we don't, but I guess we're thinking about it, right? Sure. Yeah. Someday. Well, I think we could even just upload the episodes there. I feel like a lot of podcasts just upload it there because some people, you know, just put it on in the background while they're working or whatever. 
Yeah, sound off. If it would be more convenient for you for us to have a YouTube uh, channel, we'd be happy to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. Maybe down the line we'll be doing other t- related content in one way. I don't really know what form that would take. Maybe like a... I don't know. I've always thought that it would be fun to try a Let's Play of... what? What's the name of the Adventure Time game? Something like, Hey Ice King, why did you steal our garbage? <laughs> So, KK, that was season one. Yay! So, um, I guess what I just want to say is thank you to everyone who's joined us. Uh, whether, you know, uh, this is the only episode you've listened to, it caught your eye, or you've been listening along for every episode, uh, KK and I have been having so much fun getting to revisit Adventure Time with you. Uh, getting to share all our rambly thoughts, um, getting to hear what you guys think about the episodes and our content. Uh, it's been really heartening and so much fun. And thank you, Laura. It's Our love story has been uh, a, a largely centered on cartoons, and it's been so exciting to get with, together with you every week and talk about them. Oh, that's really sweet. I love getting to talk about cartoons with you, too. So, yeah. If you want to say anything about this episode or the show as a whole, or of course, Adventure Time, you can email us at adventuretimepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Come Along With Me, where our last E is a three, and Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr at Adventure Time Pod. So come on, grab your friends, and go to very distant lands, like season two. <laughs>